Welcome back to The Drop. This is Michael Saramella, live from an actual echo chamber. Sorry about the sound. My house completely flooded last night, so I had to find somewhere else to record this. Turns out, uh, I mean, at least it sounds like I'm in an airplane hangar or something of the sort. So yeah, we'll try to get that sorted out for next week, but no promises. Uh, anyway, this episode is going to feature two different segments. The first is going to be Stayscale Brave and myself breaking down the upcoming Brazil event, which may have already started depending on when you're listening to this. And then Buck and I will get straight into this week's surf news, of which there, well, I mean, yeah, there is a lot. Because one of the stories that I wrote about the UAE and the WSL, I mean, it's not news because technically nothing has happened yet, but there's a lot of good speculation. We also have a great story about the Board Riders Group, which was purchased by ABG. Um, a little update, if you will. We don't have the full answers of what's gonna happen with those brands yet, but we have a pretty good idea. So you're gonna learn about that. And obviously we're going to end with a surf sin. So Stacy and I are gonna eat up about the first 20 or so minutes of this, and then Buck and I will talk about this week's news. So let's drop in. Costa Rica Mike, welcome back. Thank you, Stacy. How is everything on the underside of the world? Yeah, the uh, the underside, the dark side, the bright side is uh, is wonderful. The east coast of Australia at the moment is um, under the craziest flat spell I've seen in a very long time. Like from from the south coast of Sydney, like all the way up to the top of Queensland, obviously, uh, is just dead flat. But it is the most beautiful winter weather. And it's great, uh, a great time of year to be viewing Australian and Queensland sport. Uh, those of you who follow the cricket and the state of origin will know what I'm talking about. But in the world of surfing, Mikey, I'm, I'm like, I don't think I've been as sad for a forecast in a very long time. I mean, I get it, but also it's Brazil and I hate to make it sound like that but like in my mind even when you see waves on the forecast for brazil it's not like you're thinking like oh it's going to be insane you know it's just going to be like a bigger version of like kind of a lumpy warbly beach break right no you're right so with that let's get into the forecast i know what you mean but i think brazil has surprised us a few times Uh, we will not get that surprise this year with the current forecast no I mean, it literally, it's, I, I don't, I feel like a fucking broken record, but it's literally pumping right now in the days in the lead up to the event. And as soon as the window opens, it pretty much goes flat. I mean, the first day or two look like maybe it'll be, you know, three foot contestable, probably, hopefully, because the week after that is like one foot, basically. I don't even know if they could run if they wanted to. There's a little bit of hope for swell in the back half, the back, not even back half, the back like two days of the event, but that's so far out that it's even hard to tell. Like there was a swell that was predicted to hit around the midway part of the event window, but it's completely flattened out. So yeah, it's going to be a pretty rough week in Brazil. Yeah, totally. So like what, you know, that's a massive long beach there. And obviously we've seen um, in the Southern end, the right fire up once or twice over the last couple of years. But then, yeah, predominantly the left and or and the right going into the channel is what the the they end up surfing, and and what that tends to like is you know a bit more of an east northeast swell helps the lefts run, minimizes the backwash, and what you need for the right is a pretty solid south swell like you know six feet and above, and when we're not going to get either of those two things, what we're going to get is like in the middle a small south swell which is going to be like 
my prediction will be equal size backwash to wave. Oh my god. Well, I mean, are you scoring backwash waves, Ridden? <laughs> I guess if you're up and riding, you're up and riding, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. I, oh my god, how do we get a surfer to ride a backwash in a heat? That would be so fucking good. I bet Italo will, just for fun. Stand up into the wave like a whip-in. That would be um, entertaining, to say the least. But... Um... Yeah, I, I just wonder, like... That'd probably be a first, right? Nobody's ever gotten a score on a backlash. Oh, it's hard to rule out someone like Mason Ho doing something at, like, a QS 1000 that never got webcast or something, but maybe in a World Tour event. A CT first. Yeah, okay. Sweet. Yeah. yeah, no. But, uh, Mikey, I wonder, like, put yourself in the position of the WSL. You've just written a pretty big article on site about, you know, potential opportunities in the future. Um, how do you keep your troops positive in a situation like this? Because, you know, it, like you said, it's just a broken record situation this year for the events. Yeah, it's, it's hard, but it's not hard. Because at the same time that I can't recall a year with as consistently bad waves as we've had in 2023, this is also one of the most interesting years storyline-wise. And I think that's the testament to what the WSL has done with the new format and tour structure. So yeah, you're always gonna have the ocean as a variable. This year, we've flipped tails eight times in a row. Uh, I don't know what's gonna happen with J-Bay or Chopes. I, I, I feel like I've lost all hope, but at the same time, I recognize that what's happened in the first eight events has absolutely no bearing on what happens there. So there's a part of me that's still holding on to hope. But I think for the WSL, it's really easy. You know, they say one, We've created enough intrigue via the mid-year cut and the Olympics and the top five and blah, 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 that people are still tuning in. And I bet that the viewership in this year's events are still really high, despite the poor conditions. And on the flip side, I guess this maybe gives a little bit more credence to wave pools on the world tour. It's the only spot where we've really at least been able to know that we were going to get decent waves. Yeah, it's certainly a strong year for wave pool advocates when you put it like that. Um... And yeah, they're not going to stop popping up around the world. So they're definitely going to be more available and the quality of them is only going to get better. It's uh, yeah, still a pretty baffling year though when you think about how, how, how tough it's been for the, for the contest organisers to you know, really get some world tour quality waves. You know, Margaret River was the only location that um, you know, had anything resembling... Uh, you know, well, yeah, I agree. Yeah, that and the wave pool event, <laughs> the two best events so far this year, which is sort of hard to say that in a sentence. But it's, I mean, again, are people still tuning in? I'd wager, yes. Are we still going to get a really interesting race for the world title? Yes. So then the WSL has done its job, right? They've done, done everything that they can do at the very least. And... All we can do is hope that the next event is better, and I know that everybody feels that way, and the last two events of the year are at pretty spectacular locations. Um, so yeah, there's still a bit of hope, and even if we've gotten unlucky this year, I still think people are engaged with it. At least I am. Yeah, totally. It, it, it sort of goes back to the, the tour of old, though, like, and the whole reason, you know, they are trying, like you say, the locations are good. The locations have the quality um, opportunities. They just haven't been, haven't been lucky. But yeah, certainly, you know, with some of the events, how they've run and, and, the, and the style of ways that people are winning in it, it certainly looks like a, an old Instagram throwback. But I guess we've just got to take that one on the chin, Mikey. Well, even the locations, the locations aren't that good. Let's be honest. Like, 
they could do a hell of a lot better with locations. I understand that there's reasoning behind each location, whether it's uh, financial, political, cultural, whatever you want to call it. But if you just took away all of that and just imagined a 10-stop tour, there's probably five or six events on the current schedule that you'd take off. I don't know how feasible that is. Maybe if, say, some very wealthy country came in and bought the WSL and had infinite money to invest, they could actually put some of those stops back on tour. But that is the one part where, yes, we've gotten unlucky with conditions, but also even if conditions were really good for a lot of the spots on tour, there's still not waves that get me especially excited. So, yeah. Yeah, you're right, for sure. Like, there's a lot of, you know, there's events that have history and prestige, and then there's events where the government just pays for it. And, you know, if you removed all of that and just you just started with a clean slate, yeah, you're absolutely right. The, it's a big, beautiful world out there with some big, beautiful barreling lefts, as we've seen. And uh, I think uh, yeah, it'd be nice to tap into a few of them. Or rippable lefts. <laughs> yeah. Well, they got the wave pool. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's rippable for like three people. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Uh, anyway, forecast, shit for Brazil. But we still get to pick some favorites, some underdogs, and some value picks for betonline.ag. So let's go straight into who we think is actually gonna win this event. It's a really hard event for me to pick a favorite, mainly because there's a couple of really, really handy small wave surfers uh, you know, at the top end of the rankings. And I think that very much like when the waves get pumping, the, the very best, there is such a clear difference in, in how a good small wave surfer reads and, and can generate speed and get scores in a not so good looking ocean compared to say, you know, uh, someone who's, you know, still figuring out how to ride an epoxy or, or whatever it may be. So, uh, it, yeah, it's a tricky one. Obviously, Philippe is going to be <laughs> extremely hard to beat out there. Um, I do like to keep it interesting though. Given that I think the waves aren't going to be too long, uh, and, and I don't think flow is going to be a, a, an important factor this week. I'm going to go Italo. Um, I think he's, I think he's due. It's, uh, it's an important, uh, important event for him if he wants to get into the final five. He's won J-Bay before and, you know, he'll have a swing at Chopes, but, it, you know, for him to put a, you know, top five effort in, it has to start at this event. So I think, um, yeah, I think the younger stab in the dark star is, uh, is going to do pretty well, Mikey. Okay, I like that pick. I think that's a smart pick. He's paying plus 700 on betonline.ag if you want to get amongst the, uh, yeah, put a little skin in the game on that. For me, I feel like, yes, there are a few good small wave surfers, but I feel like same as with waves that are at, you know, heavy water waves or whatever, there's really only a handful, or in this case, I think there's probably seven guys that can win. And of those seven guys, I'm putting my money again on Felipe Toledo. Picked him for the pool, didn't win. Picked him for El Salvador, did win. I'm going for the, uh, the two out of three on this one. I think that nobody can do what he does um, from rail to air. And I know I, we say that every single week, but the amount of speed he generates and the amount of power he generates in small waves is to me it's just the best surfing in the world nobody surfs small waves better so he looked like a little shaky health wise toward the back end of that event i think he hurt his back a little bit but i think he's going to be strong enough to do what he needs to do out in this event so i'm picking him as my favorite again yeah i think we also we do bang on about it a lot but there's something about philippe surfing that you really when you see it you, you tend to make noises at the, at the computer screen yep 100 percent. so felipe for me 
Uh, on the women's side, who you got? I'm going to stick with my backhand queen from El Salvador, Caroline Marks. Um, mainly because in the mornings, the winds are kind of, it's kind of clean by the look of things. And I just think in small, clean, maybe the odd running left or right, doesn't really matter first. She's, she's so strong both ways. Um, I think Caroline could do pretty well. I mean, there's every chance that this event looks like the 2019 event that finished at D-Bar, right? Mm. Yep, absolutely. That's exactly, um, you know, maybe slightly bigger just because it is a, the swell is a bit more genuine from the south, but it's not a tall swell. It's still small. So, um, yeah, but you're right. It, it's not going to be, I don't see it being bigger than head high at maximum any of the days. Yeah, so that's a good call. I like it. She's from Florida. She knows how to surf junky, backwashy, small waves. So, and she's obviously coming off a win. Uh, mine is going to be Molly Picklum. I think that, I don't know, I just think that something about the younger surfers are going to take to this event. They're a little bit more energetic. They are a little bit more, I think, like excited and passionate to go surf shit waves and just get scores and get results. And I think Molly will fight through some grindy heats. And then I think that she'll figure out a way to win in the end. So I'm going Molly. I think you're spot on. Like when I look through the drawer about who I'm going to pick, that was the one deciding factor about who my favorite was, who's going to be the most psyched to get up and go surf, which it sounds like we're putting these surfers through a torture chamber, which we're not. But if you've been on tour for 10 plus years and you're rolling up to Brazil, looking at this forecast, you're not, you're not that psyched to surf. You, you, you're going fucking get me to J Bay. Versus you give that opportunity to someone who just had their rookie year last year, missed the cut, came back, and now she's very well and truly in the top five picture and is thinking, oh, could I win a world title this year? That person's getting up early and they're going to be basically hitting any section that comes at them with as much force as possible. So Molly, and I mean, if, if it's time, I guess that means we can lead straight into our underdogs or dark horses, as we call them. Uh, he was my dark horse at um, El Salvador. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with him because it's probably a lot smarter to pick him here than I did at El Salvador, but I was just having a bit of a swing, you know, Mikey. Uh, Yago Dora. Similar reasons to Italo. He's got way more flow, though, so if, it, it does, if the waves are a bit better than I predicted, then he's kind of, uh, you know, he can, he can match it with sort of that length of ride with, you know, calves and airs, uh, as well as, you know, obviously he's got the one big explosive maneuvers as well. So, Yago, let's roll. I love it. I love the way Yago surfs. He's obviously done well at this event before, even as a wild card. I do wonder if he, because he's, you know, he's very agile, but he's also a little bit on, on the bigger side, like the taller side for a surfer. And when I watch his surfing, maybe it's a bit of deception because his style is so good, but he comes off as like a little bit on the slower side relative to like an Italo or a Felipe. So I wonder if that will hinder him out here. I think when he, if he, you know, realistically, all he needs is two good left-hand sections in a heat, and he can drop a seven or an eight with a single air really, really easily. But for the win, I mean, I like Yago, but I think one better is Sammy Pupo. He's coming in as a wild card. He was obviously on tour this past year, but he did not make the cut. That said, he won this first CS event of the year at Snapper, so he looks like pretty much a lock to requalify. And he also made the final of this event last year, and he is that perfect combination of kind of like that youthful energy and speed. 
he's probably the next closest thing to Felipe Toledo in terms of surfing style. He's not quite on the same level, but like his sort of technique and the sort of like whippiness and, and everything of his surfing. He's the closest to Felipe for me, so I'm going Sammy for the uh, Dark Horse win. Yeah, it's a, fa- it's a fantastic pick. And I think he's a is a real genuine chance, similar to like what you mentioned about Molly and Caroline, that youthful enthusiasm, but also the fact that he is a wild card and he's got literally nothing to lose. And I think that's really gonna uh, really gonna play into his favour. So, watching forward, uh, looking forward to watching that one roll out there, Mikey. He's also just jumped on JS's, and uh, which is a pretty interesting story. Like he qualified on his dad's board and got Rookie of the Year on his dad's board. Uh, but still made the switch over to JS, and then, like you mentioned, he won snapper on those boards, and uh, you know looks to be doing some great surfing on 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 that equipment on his Instagram. So, yeah, changes as good as a holiday, as they say, Mikey. <laughs> All right, so go, Sammy. And what about for your female dark horse? That is very very tricky. Um, it's probably the opposite to what I went in the men as far as looking for like youthful enthusiasm. Um, it's more just having that froth back again and I think Joanne DeFay and I think Joanne DeFay has got the froth back again you know she's injured for the first part of the year um she's just getting back into the swing of things on the tour now obviously spent a lot of time uh, you know she grew up in the reunion islands but spent a lot of time in France and muddled up beach breaks and stuff like that so I think uh, I think Joanne DeFay could be someone to watch out for on, on the women's side as a dark horse just got the froth and got that sort of experience as well and is probably still pissed about what happened last year in the final. Oh, yeah, that's that right. hard to watch as somebody who <laughs> bet a lot of money on her. Oh, that's right. <laughs> so oh, You can't really be pissed about that, though, right? Like, she got, like, that That was a extremely, you just had to clap that. She didn't really make a mistake from memory. Carissa just didn't get a score above a five all event until the last 30 seconds when she got a 9-5. Yeah, it happens. But, you know what they say, freaking silver medalist, it's... It just burns no matter how it goes, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely. I think she's had two seconds there, actually. Oof, okay. All right. Well, maybe this is her time. A person who we haven't mentioned, by the way, who's never won in Brazil is Gabriel Medina, which is something to watch out for. He's obviously, he's just eked his way into the top five. Uh, you know, he wants and doesn't need a result here, but it would really do him a lot of favors to get one. So yeah, I don't know if Gab to me when I think of tiny, tiny waves isn't probably his forte, but we'll see what could happen there. Anyway, my female dark horse, I'm sticking with the youth, Katie Simmers. I went for her in El Salvador, didn't go well, 3.7, but I think she's gonna come out swinging here. She surfs beach breaks every day at home. Uh, she's wanted a beach break this year. Granted, the waves were a little different than what we're going to see in Brazil, but I've seen her in the U.S. Open absolutely smoke people uh, with single turns and, and whatnot, so I think she can do it here too. Katie Simmer's dark horse pick. All right, so those are our event winner picks, but if you are on betonline.ag, you know that you can also make picks for individual heats in each round. So should we get into some value picks, Stace? Let's get on to some gamble, ramble, value picks, Mike. So, last event, you steered us in the direction of Liam O'Brien and Betty Lou Sakura Johnson in round one. Those bets didn't come off for you. However, those two surfers had exceptional round two heats where they were the massive underdogs. Uh, Now, I know you didn't clean up on both of those heats in round two, but you did get on Liam against Ethan Ewing, which was 
nearly as good as getting on Ethan against Gabriel at the pool. You've had a couple of great ones this year, Mikey. Has a really crazy heat in this event. He's got in his first round Griffin and Samuel Poupeau. So Liam is the underdog on betonline.ag in this. I think he's playing plus 400. As bad as I want to take that, I don't think I can. Um, I love Liam, but I think he's going to have a hard time in that heat. I think both of those guys he's against are just so good uh, in small waves. And not to say that he can't beat them, but I just don't think it's worth throwing money at. So that's not going to be my value pick. I'm actually on this one, I'm going to go against the green on the value pick, and I'm going to pick a favorite. And that's Felipe Toledo at minus 250 against Callum Robson and Kelly Slater. And yes, I do think that favorites can still be the high value pick in one of these things, because to me, those odds against those surfers in these conditions, Felipe should be paying minus 500. So I'm putting a big bet down on this one. I'm putting 500 on Felipe at minus 250. If he wins, I'll get $200. So that's kind of how the math works out. So you're risking more than you're potentially going to earn. But to me, that risk is worthwhile. Callum Robson, Great surfer, but I just don't see him in small waves being able to stand up against Felipe. Kelly Slater, it's Kelly Slater, but he's 51 years old. The one variable in this is, will Kelly show up? So a little stat that I recently learned is that Kelly hasn't been to a Brazil CT since 2015. That's nearly 10 years. And he recently posted on his Instagram story that he's been like super sick, blah, blah, blah. So if he doesn't show up, that means that some sort of wild card is going to get into that heat, which could change the odds a bit. And it actually could become a lot more difficult for Felipe, especially if some really young up and coming Brazilian gets a spot, say a Mateus Hurdy or someone of that sort. That would probably make me reconsider the bet a little bit. But for right now, against Callum and Kelly, I'm putting a 500 on Felipe at minus 250. And I think it's as close to a guaranteed win as you're going to get in this round one. Yeah, I like it. Uh, I think it's a lot better than your $2,000 bet on Tyler Wright at, I think it was $1.15 in Aussie terms, uh, or $1.10 maybe. Um, yeah, I like that one, Mikey. So that's for the men's. And then on the women's side, I'm sticking with Katie. I'm doing plus 225. She's at plus 225 over Joanne DeFay and Tyler Wright. Obviously, you picked Joanne as a potential winner. Tyler Wright is on a complete tear, but we know the conditions aren't gonna be great. We know Katie's good in beach breaks. She has the um, basically the best odds right now in this heat, so she's the underdog. And I just think it's worth taking a swing on the youth in this one. I like it. I'm, um, I'm, a, big, I'm a big fan of uh, your picks there. I'm definitely going to, um, you know, it's always fun playing along with someone else's bets and uh, getting the heart rate up for them. Yeah, well, I'm certainly not putting 500 on Katie. I think I'm only putting 50 on her because that's obviously more of a crapshoot. <laughs> um, these these bets are on two sides of the two ends of the spectrum. One is like the favorite that I'm just really, really strongly believing is going to get the win. The other one is, in theory, an underdog who I think has a really good chance against the two other surfers. But the beauty in that is that you have to risk less to earn more. So I put 50 down on Katie. And that pays out, I think, like 150 or something if she wins. So, yeah. Yeah, I like it. I mean, personally, I'll be waiting to see Philippe surf a heat or two with a sore back, if that's the case. I, I agree, though. V. Callum and Kelly, he certainly has got a uh, much wider variety of uh, scoring maneuvers in small waves. So, yeah, we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, and someone <coughs> told me, you know, messaged me saying, like, oh, I don't know how Felipe is going to do with a sore back trying to do airs. 
Felipe doesn't have to do an air. Felipe could surf this entire contest on the face of the wave and still win handily. So I'm not too worried about it. Um, obviously, he's got to think long term though. Like he wants to be able to be at his best performance shape for the WSL finals. So maybe he's not going to go 100% in this event, in which case I'll be screwed. But I have faith that, I mean, you saw the fire in him in El Salvador. And I don't think that just dies out, especially going into his home event, especially an event where he's won four times. You know that he just wants to be known as the freaking king of, well, the world, but also Brazil. So I think he's going to go all the way. Yeah, the fire he had in El Salvador was enough heat to keep any sore back warm. So I think he, he'll be fine. And like you said, he's he's going for four in a row. We had a couple of years off, but as the as the years play out, th this will be his opportunity to go four in a row, which I, I can't remember that happening anywhere else in the world. I know I think Andy had three in France. Um, maybe back to back at Bells. I, yeah, I can't. Yeah, that's um, a crazy stat. Crazy. All right. Well, the event starts probably by the time you're listening to this today. So good luck with your bets if you're making them, and if not, enjoy the ECSC event in Sacarema, Brazil. <laughs> All right, so that is all the comp talk that you will get. Now we're going straight into this week's surf news. There's some really good stuff happening on the site. Buck and I are about to break it all down. Let's go. We are live. We're here, here in different parts of the world, and this is the drop. Mikey, I'd like to be the first to congratulate you on taking the very bold stance that Philippe Toledo would win el salvador when it was two foot that was that was so brave and i'm proud of you thank you i might go so far as to say that felipe toledo will win brazil when it's two foot as well oh i was gonna ask that i'm no i'm gonna stick to liam even though i think it's just even way less likely now i'm just gonna stick to my guns this is why i lose on betonline.ag <laughs> hey but you would have made some money on liam if you just bet him throughout the event i know i picked him early he didn't win that heat but then he took down some big heads along the way so it's all about I mean, you can bet three times on Liam O'Brien and come out ahead. That's just the way that the numbers work out. You know what I mean? So if you just keep trying, it's like Jacko Baker. Eventually, you're going to win big. I know. I know. It's eventually going to happen. So I don't know. I like the fact my friend sent me a screenshot of just like the heat matchup with him and Griffin. And I just like having two curly head people together. That's really comforting to me as well. So His hair is fantastic in the WSL like photo. Whatever they use for his like athlete photo is top it's five for me. It's immaculate. So I'm, I'm staying on. You heard it here first. Liam O'Brien wins the, what is it, Vivo? The cell, a telecom provider? He won. Thank you. Moving on to the news. Should the UAE buy the WSL? Folks, this International Surfing Day, my advice is to sell your favorite sport to the Middle East. That's what I think we should all do to celebrate. Uh, Mikey, you wrote this story, and I think you wrote it around International Surfing Day, just about, hey, everybody, like it's International Surfing Day. Let's celebrate it by selling uh, the WSL to the Middle East. Can you elaborate? I mean, it is like we talked about it last week about the, the fact that that pool popped up and it sort of got us thinking. And, you know, we were connecting dots. We'd been hearing rumors that the WSL was in negotiations or at least talks about a sale, like serious talks, though, people who were actually interested. 
and we heard that there were people from the UAE at the Surf Ranch event kind of scoping things out. So I don't know, there were a few dots there, but we didn't have enough to say like, oh, we think the UAE is actually going to buy surfing, but it just, the idea sparked then some, I guess, lines of thinking of why would it make sense? And yeah, this piece basically breaks down why we think the UAE buying surfing wouldn't be the worst idea and also could be smart for both sides in the long run. Basically, these Middle Eastern countries, they need to diversify and they need to find new streams of income that don't rely on oil, basically. And one of the main ways that they're doing that is by buying up or investing heavily in sports. Some people call this sports washing because they're using a fun activity to gloss over the bad things that they do, which somebody brought up a really good point. It's like, yeah, some of the stuff that they do in the Middle East and especially in Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia is worse than the United Arab Emirates from what I understand. But it's like, yeah, they're doing a lot of stuff that's obviously like heinous in very many ways. But it's so like holier than thou, like how many people has America just killed around the world for like no good reason a lot of times, you know what I mean? So it's not like, I don't know, it's not as if we are without our own problems. Uh, but anyway, they're buying all these sports. Uh, Saudi Arabia basically bought golf. They are paying, you know, someone like Ronaldo $200 million a year to play soccer there. They tried to pay Lionel Messi a billion dollars to play soccer there. Um, they tried to buy F1 outright for $20 billion. So I'm just thinking, okay, Dirk Ziff has spent a lot of money on surfing over the years, tens of millions of dollars. Uh, who knows, it could even be into the hundreds. But to the United Arab Emirates, that's chump change, right? They're spending so much money on all these other things. They could throw 500 mil at surfing to own the thing outright. Dirk Ziff would wash his hands clean and come out with a tidy sum and the UAE would get this shiny new toy that they get to play with. And not only do they get this like cool thing, but they also, I think surfing truly, truly has so much room to grow. Like golf can get bigger, but it's not gonna reach this like completely new audience. Surfing on the other hand, has only ever tapped into people that live along the coast, really. Just now, people that live inland are starting to get into it and wave pools are obviously a huge part of that. So I think as wave pools continue to become more ubiquitous across the world, and especially in inland areas and major cities and whatnot, surfing can actually has the ability to double, triple, quadruple in size. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's my pitch and if the UAE wants me to help negotiate with Dirk Zip, they can give me a call and I'll and I'll go in the room with him. It would be fucking hilarious if he just made a fortune off this. Like the person who needs it the least that has just been talked about as this guy who's just like doing us all a favor just somehow makes bank. <laughs> How funny would that be? The rich get richer, Buck, one way or another. Yeah. I don't know though. I when this when we first started talking about it, I said, yeah, I'm down because my whole point was like, you can't ruin surfing. There's no chance of ruining surfing. You could ruin soccer because people don't play it. And fans don't necessarily play, play soccer is what I mean. Um, surfing, like no matter what happens to WSL, I'm still going to do it. And it's not going to change my experience. But I'm kind of flipping here because they're buying all this stuff and it seems fun. And I'm just... I want to say, America lost its fastball. I mean, we used to... Remember when they started building bigger buildings? Let, let me look up that one. Okay, look. United States, we used to have the Sears Tower, okay? And it spent like 20 years as the biggest building in the world. And guess what? China has it now. Cool, whatever. Do your thing. But 
Dubai got us beat there, and we're just fucking sitting there like not responding. And now they're gonna the biggest wave pool in the in the world. And what what's Detroit doing? Nothing. I'm just kind of, I hate that they're having all the fun. Like we're we're not having any fun over here anymore. And I'm mad that nobody from the United States, just some rich fucking cowboy, hasn't been like, oh yeah, I'm gonna make a bigger wave pool. Then um, has nothing to do with. Where's Stuart Parsons at? We need Stuart Parsons back. Right, like. It's just insane to me that that's not happening. You're going to let them get the biggest building or let them get the biggest wave pool. No matter what happens with the WSL, that's fine. But yeah, anyway, you you mentioned it before. And I've been talking to somebody from Dubai, that area. And their take is that the global understanding of that place is pretty fucking far off from the reality. Like things are not as bad there as people think they are. And actually that a lot of the shit that's being said like is pretty much racist flat out racist in some cases um when you're getting into like making fun of what people wear and stuff over there but i really want to explore that more i want to explore that more i looked into it and i saw okay yeah they do get fun waves nothing special but enough you can get the tail around that's always the thing for me if you could if you could find a way to just get your tail around and you go backwards on the wave that's enough they get that there you can go backwards just in the ocean so I'm going to look into that. I want to know more about the, the culture there in the surf scene. So hopefully have something coming on that front. But um, let's see what happens. I mean, this is just, it was kind of a rumor. And you explained how it could unfold. So let's just see. I mean, gut feeling, if something was to happen, when do you think it would be by? I mean, I would say in the next year. I feel like these, uh, the Middle Eastern countries, they like to move fast. Like you saw with the Live Golf Tour, it wasn't like, oh, we're just gonna wait till you know PGA runs out of steam or something. It's like, no, we're gonna come in and create a Rebel Tour and then come and make a deal to merge within a year, basically. So, I would imagine if it's going to happen, it will happen soon. Okay, I kind of feel the same way. I just feel like there's, I feel like some big WSL change is coming. This is just speculation and kind of a gut feeling, but it feels. It feels like a really interesting point in surfing between three recent world champions publicly condemning the league to, you know, this idea for the finals that's about to be in its third year that was supposed to move around every year and now just hasn't that we originally know that Rip Girl signed a three-year deal. Guess what? Year three. So it just feels like there's a lot, a lot of stuff that's kind of open-ended right now at the league and, um, my gut is telling me there's big changes coming within the next few months. Stay tuned. Introducing the Better Surf Quiz presented by Better Beer. This is the best. It says better. It's the best, actually, in my opinion. The best and also most frustrating thing in the world. Unless you get a perfect score, you're going to get mad at this. It's going to be fun. You're not going to be like... It's not gonna. It's it's gonna suck you in, and you're gonna really put your heart, and you might even be confident that you win. And if you get them wrong, you're gonna hate yourself. So, Mikey, how'd you do on round one? This is gonna be an ongoing series, but round one, how'd you go? You might have built this quiz, so actually, I didn't. No, I think this was uh, Ethan Davis, and it seemed to me like there's a bit of Sam McIntosh influence in there. If I'm reading between the lines of the questions, I got 19 out of 20. And I actually thought that barring two questions that the first quiz was pretty easy. I think anybody that has a pretty good grasp of surf culture and has been around and, you know, has been reading Stab for the past 10 years and watching surf films for the past 15 years or whatever would have pretty easily gotten close to a perfect score. 
How did you do? One was one was just a straight. I knew that the answer is wrong. It's just you can't untrain it. It was the highest contract one. Remember when Dan had the Quicksilver one and everybody's talking about how much he makes like a day and a week off it? I just can't. My brain has just glued that piece of information into the front of it. And now, even though I know it was John John, I just, I was moving fast and I clicked Dane. I was like, fucking course. I knew that. I am very aware of this. So this is just one of those many dumb things your brain does. Heuristics is it? A book, thinking fast and slow. Yeah. Um, just dumb. So that, and then what one got you? Oh, you know which other one got me uh, was the 2014 Volcom Fiji Pro. Ah. I, I remembered very vividly that Rayoni Montero went and got a crazy wave, but I think like coming out, he got clipped and then like blew out his shoulder or something like that. But he was the one name that I definitely remembered being in that. So I picked the one with him and Adam Melling. But of course, it wasn't that. It was, uh, what was it, Kai Otten and B. Durbage? Yeah, I think it was. So it, it was Kai Otten and B. Durbage. I went KP and Mick. It just seemed like such a KP thing to do um that that's what got me there just like oh kp had to be carrying apparel so yeah wasn't happy with myself but i had a lot of fun doing it and i heard you got a preview of part two i sure did and i want to quiz you on the spot buck i'm gonna put you on blast in front of our podcast listeners i pulled three questions that are on the harder end of the spectrum but i think that they're achievable so this quiz does give multiple choice options, so I'm gonna give them to you as well. So first question, it's a moment you know well. It's a moment that um, you've actually been very blasphemous about in the past, but in 2014, Kelly Slater landed the quote unquote 720 in Portugal. Everyone was talking about the degree of spin, but not the grab. So what is the grab called? A, gorilla grab, B, frog grab c corrupt grab or d truck driver uh i've done this grab i have photographic evidence of this i'm going gorilla you got it ding 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 well done buck yes all right one out of three correct let's go to the next one all right so this is also one that i think you have a personal connection to so it's going to be pretty embarrassing if you get it wrong oh boy the soundtrack to andy iron's part in campaign two was by a at the drive-in B, cut you up, C, refused, or D, nine inch nails? Easiest fucking question. Wait, campaign two? Yep. Oh my God, I was about to go cut you up for campaign one. Campaign two was nine inch nails. Well done, well done, well done. Okay, now, last but not least, this is, uh, oh, which one do I wanna do? There's two that I kinda like. No, one you're definitely gonna know the answer to. Um, this one is maybe a little bit tricky. I think you'll know it too. Which Australian surf town rejected the WSL's proposal to hold a CT event in 2021? Was it A, Crescent Head, B, Lennox Head, C, Fingal Head, or D, Kira Beach? Oh, Shinya Dalby was on the beach at Lennox Head. He had a fucking sign out. He's telling them, no WSL here easy all right three out of three well done buck well done <laughs> three out of three all right i thought you were gonna get me for sure no there's a few um, other ones in here uh that i think they definitely tripped me up so i would imagine that they're gonna get a few other people listening as well but if you get 100 percent, first of all well done second of all you win some sort of thing don't you all right well go take this thing go check it out if you win 
Maybe you'll get a prize from our friends at Better Beer, especially if you're Australian. But go test your knowledge. Look, you put so much of your life into surfing, probably, if you're listening to it. You're still doing that. You still, We're still giving you knowledge right now that you might remember in 10 years from now for absolutely no reason. Um, go put it to the test. It's time. Board Riders, Authentic Brands Group, and the soon-to-be-realized tectonic shift. Oh, boy. I told you change is in the air. Change might be in the air. The WSL change is definitely in the air at Board Riders, which is the company that owns Quicksilver, Billabong, Roxy, Ruka, Element, DC, and Von Zipper. They're purchased by Authentic Brands Group in March for a reported $1.3 billion. And guess what, folks? We're about a month away from Authentic Brands getting the keys. So, a lot, a lot's going on. A lot's going on, but also at the same time, nothing is definitive yet. Basically, this deal is at a point where people seem to be learning more and more each week, but they still don't know exactly what their future is. So, when I say people, I mean the company's employees, which it has hundreds of them around the world. And when deals like this happen, the teams can be really impacted as well, not just the teams of employees, but also the surf teams themselves. So change is coming. Like I said, end of July is when it looks like this deal is going to close. And this piece I wrote kind of breaks down what, it breaks down the information that we have right now. And that information is how we know that ABG operates and what board riders employees have been being told. I mean, out of the starting 2023 lineup, 14 surfers were sponsored by a board riders brand main sponsor so there are a lot of people that this thing impacts this impacts stab as well basically the way the basically the way that these companies have been operating like billabong sponsored this year's stab in the dark we need these companies to invest in these projects in order to do them properly um so this is this is huge basically what we know right now is that Authentic Brands Group likes to license the intellectual property of brands out there. So you could kind of own the intellectual property and actually run the brand. That is to hire teams of people to create the product, sell the product, market it. Or you could pretty much say, hey, we own this intellectual property. Who wants to buy it and do their thing with it? ABG works with this model where they really go after what they call guaranteed minimum royalties. Um, we know that in 2020, 83% of their revenue came through that. And so what that means here is that, say you negotiate for the license to make Quicksilver clothing, they're gonna want you to do a minimum of like 50 million worth of product a year, or else they're gonna sell it to somebody else who will do that. So that way they're guaranteeing that they're making money on it regardless, and it's on you to go out and sell this stuff. So it's not an automatic death whistle. There is a chance that ABG plays this a little bit different, keeps some stuff in house, keeps a lot of people employed, doesn't change much. There's a chance that somebody negotiates for these big licenses and does the same thing. I mean, there's a chance that this gets upward investment. Where this came from was Oak Tree, which is a private equity group that owns like fuck, a ton of companies in a bunch of different industries. They only bought board riders because they're like, oh, this thing is financially fucked. We can get it at this weak moment, strip it, fix it up, sell it for money. That's what they did when they sold it to ABG. So it's better than being in Oak Tree's hands, I guess. At least there's some clarity because Oak Tree never wanted it, never wanted it long-term. 
But as of right now, we still don't have complete clarity on what it means with ABG. We just know that that's the way they like to operate and that um, this is going to affect a lot of people. I have actually been talking with the CEO of ABG, this guy, Jamie Salter. I've been talking to his team about teeing him up for an interview. Like I said, deal is looking to close in late July. They're saying they want to talk when it's closed. So apparently I'll be able to get him on the phone, just ask what this means as it's happening. But until then, a little bit of limbo land. We've heard this kind of weird story that we can't confirm about employees kind of getting notified that they're going to get an email at some point in July about the future of their job, which just seems a little bit weird and cold. But I guess we'll see. Read the story if you want to know what we know for now. Otherwise, uh, see you in July. Also, one last thing. You said Board Riders is selling for 1.4? 1.6? 1.3. Do you think Board Riders is more valuable than the WSL? I think that Board Riders has an easier product to sell. I think it's easier to get somebody to buy a t-shirt than it is to get enough people to watch a surfing webcast to make that webcast make sense advertiser-wise. I think that's an easier thing to pull off. If you had if you had the ability to put the Billabong logo on whatever you want, I think it's easier to make money off that thing than it is, you know, the Vivo Brazil Pro webcast. All right, UAE, you heard it here first. Don't buy the WSL, buy board riders and do whatever you want with it. Do it! R.I.P. Chopes, we have entered a new era of pronunciation. Oh boy, Paul Evans here. We've got a voice note from him. It's wonderful as always. He's going to talk about the story that he wrote, which it's um, it was very important, I'd say. Let's hear from Paul. Hello, Brendan. Hello, Michael. Evans here. I've got an article on the site right now all about pronunciation or even pronunciation. Quick question. Where is the surfing at the next Olympic Games going to be held? Where's that? If you said Tiahupu'u, correct. If you said Chopes, Chopu, also correct. Kind of. Second question. But which Olympics are they? Are they the Paris Olympics? Or are they the Paris Olympics? Can you Tiahupu'u without saying Paris? I mean, it's a minefield, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, I had a little look around getting names right. Is it cool to make sort of loads of effort to say names of surf spots like locals? Or, in fact, are you trying a little bit too hard? Um, are you within your rights to get things wrong? So I had a look around various names um, and then I shoehorned in a few personal anecdotes um, related to sort of English football in the 90s because that's sort of what all my stories are essentially about. Um, and I had a bit of fun with it. I hope you do too. Love you. Bye. This goes so deep, man. It goes so deep. It affects my everyday life. It must affect yours too. Living in a foreign nation, this touches you every single day. How it's so hard to figure out how, if you want, especially if you know, even if you have a bit of an accent, but if you kind of know how to say a word, the context from in which you place one or the other, it's fucking hard. I mean, Evans talks about Perry in, in there. It's just so, it's fucking hard. And so this is important. Yeah, it's so contextual, right? Like, 
depending on who I'm talking with, I say the same word very differently is really what it comes down to. It's like you have, you, you know, you have different groups of friends and like, you know, with a certain group of friend, you can make like off color jokes. And then with another group of friends, you definitely can't do that. And this to me is in like the same vein. It's like just towing these weird sociological lines of like when I'm with some people, I'll say Chile, and when I'm with other people, I'll say Chile. And even going from Costa Rica to Spain, where they speak the same language, there's this whole thing with like pronunciation, pronunciating uh, C's basically, like C followed by an I or an E. So in Costa Rica, we would say Galicia, like you just say the C-A like it is an S basically. And then you go to Spain and it's Galicia, with this weird lisp thing. And to me, it feels so like fake and pompous and try hard to do the Galicia thing. But then I think like, wait, where did Spanish the language come from? Like obviously from Spain, like technically, <laughs> technically we're saying it wrong, but then I'm there and I feel like a poser if I try to say it their way because they never say it like that when I'm at home. You know what I mean? Like there's just, it's, it's really difficult. It's so difficult. It's so difficult. It affects us day to day. Paul tried to make sense out of it. He gave it a good crack. I. Basically, in the end, I learned that his friend had two dogs and one like lived a long life. That was my biggest takeaway. But um, just a funny read that um, calls out what I think a lot of people have been noticing. Just like, I think we really are trying to come to terms with saying names accurately, um, especially names of waves or surf like. But where's the line? Like, where does it go from, like, you're saying it correctly to honor them to like you like weirdly culturally appropriating. You know what I mean? Like it's so, it's such a weird thing that I don't know what's right or wrong. Yeah, I don't know. I think you just have to, like you said, it's all context. It's who you're talking to and how you feel. Like, I, I don't know if I could, I've never been there, but like I feel a little bit strange saying they hope from far away. I feel like maybe if I had spent a bunch of time there and like knew people from there, maybe it'd feel more comfortable. But then again, maybe it'd feel more pompous. Like, oh, I've spent like a few seasons there, you know? So it's it's complex. I'm just happy that Paul gave it a shot. It's probably something a lot of us have been feeling. And um, yeah, RIP to the dog Aki that uh, ran away in this piece. So I think it was a cat. I think the dog was, uh, wait, no, the dog was Aki. The cat was something else, right? Mm, maybe that was it, yeah. But I think I think the dog named Aki maybe got away. But any, oh, the Chopes. Chopes was uh, the name. That's where that how it worked in. So go read this thing. Have a laugh. It's fucking great. Uh, thanks, Paul, for being our, our linguistic shepherd. All right, we're going to wrap up here. A few things to call out. First of all, there's an edit on our site right now. It's only two minutes long, and the title that you'll find under is, is Taro Wantanabe's middle name actually Kelly Slater? The edit's great. It's, like I said, two minutes long, so it's not, you know, a huge sit down, get the popcorn out type thing, but man, he serves so fucking good. We need to call it the fact that his name is, his middle name is actually Kelly Slater. That is the coolest thing I've ever heard in my life. That is the coolest thing ever. I already love this kid. I already loved his surfing. I didn't know that about him, and now, I mean, he's my, I have to maybe put him at number one. I think I have a new favorite surfer based on this information. How do you feel? Um, oh, dude. Like, I guess it comes down to maybe there are a lot of people that are named after pro surfers that we don't actually know about because they're not good enough surfers for them to be in our collective consciousness. But the fact that his middle name is Kelly Slater and he surfs like that, like almost, there are shades of like a young Kelly Slater in his surfing, I would say like just very like tight and compact and spry, sort of like that 
Tom Curran-esque bottom turn that Slater really used to have when he was younger, I feel like. Uh, so there's a lot of that in there, and he just, yeah, it, it makes me love him even more, to your point. Yeah, I mean, look, we got people here among us that like can't even have vowels in their name, and this guy's got the whole Kelly Slater in there. It's pretty incredible. Um, like you said, great surfing. Go check it out. Even just one of the most satisfying things is just looking at his driver's license, which we embedded in there. Um, it just looks good to see that on a printed ID. So go check that out. We have got a little preview of a DB series called Pack Heavy Chase Light made by former stab staffer Sam Moody. Sam, he's he's there. You'll get to see him in the video. He's eating stuff. I don't know what he's eating. I've seen that man eat a bag of arugula once. No dressing. So that's how he rolls. Go check that. I've seen him eat two bags of gummies in one sitting. He's eating two. He's eating arugula. He's eating gummies. He's eating spinach. I don't know what he's eating in here, but go check it out. It's really good. And uh, and he keeps his bananas on top of the fridge as you should. Go check it out. Craig Anderson's in it. Anar Ahmad's in it. It's uh, you're gonna love it. And Sam, a lot of arugula. So check that out. We've also got a Namibia edit already live. Namibia had it's just. I don't want to talk about this. Look, it's 15 hours away from where I live. It's a one-stop flight that costs a grand. The fact that I'm not there is disgusting. I'm a pig, and I should be abused. I don't deserve love. So that's how good it looks. That's how mad I am for having never pulled the trigger on it. Mikey, you could share any words that you have on it, but I can't release any more. Well, it is what it is. It's the best wave in the world. It's been relatively dormant for the past three years. And recently, there was a run of swell so good that it brought a lot of the world's best surfers there, particularly Goofy Foots, and also Sam McIntosh, who went over there with Taj Burrow, because why not? Anyway, yeah, best wave in the world. I'm not. I'm Goofy Foot. I live next door. I'm not there. Um, I hate myself. I'm a pig. The entire, if you are the equator, um, if you're south of the equator, good for you. Because what the ocean seems to have been doing pretty much everywhere on that side of the planet must be nice, is all I'll say. Must be nice down there, okay? Yeah, I get it. I'm getting tan already. My hair, my hair's getting a little bit blonde. I surfed a foamy twice this week. So if you're south of there, nice. Good for you. I'm happy for you, okay? All right, almost time for the surf sin, but some little teasers first. We have a deep dive coming into PU foam. What a what a topic. We use it, we love it. Maybe we shouldn't love it. Deep dive into what the hell it is anyway. You got Joyride coming, maybe with PU foam, Mikey. What do you think? Yep, PU confirmed. We might have a little treat coming from our friends at Globe as well. I don't want to say too much, but keep an eye out. We'll be talking about it. Our friends at Globe might have a nice little video for you to watch on there soon. So keep an eye out. Plenty of good stuff. And um, now it's time for the sin. Fucking Mikey. I got a problem where I keep buying shitty surfboards off Facebook Marketplace that need repairs. Here's a crappy pop-out, needs a fin box. Here's some old board that has a whole bunch of dings. This wouldn't be such a big deal if it wasn't for the fact that we're in the middle of a renovation and that's what I'm meant to be doing. At the moment, we're living with my parents, which my girlfriend kind of hates. In fact, right now, she's overworking on the place, but I'm here fixing shitty boards. What's my penance? 
Ah, uh, this is hard for me because I used to exhibit this behavior and then I was like, oh, that's a shame. Like I, I felt for a moment, like I'm so mature. I don't do this anymore. Then I realized or I remembered that that's just not really the case. It's more that I got just removed from a place where I could do it properly. There's just not that many good used boards in Portugal. Even when I went back to France last time, I was on the version of Craigslist. I got kicked off because I don't have a French number anymore. So I was like hounding a friend to use their number to harass a guy into trying to sell me a 6.8. He never got back to me. It's still a problem for me. I've just removed myself from the environment. So this is a hard one for me to associate a penance to because um, I, yeah, it's, it's, it just hits me deeply. Okay, well, first of all, did you catch the little Easter egg in the video? Absolutely. He told me to fuck myself in such a brilliant way. It makes my day. When somebody finds a clever way like that to tell me to fuck myself, I just start, it makes me genuinely happy. Fuck you if you don't tell me to fuck myself because when I get surprised by it, I just laugh. I show my wife, she laughs, and you add to the, our day. You make us happy. So, If you want to see what Buck's talking about, go into our Instagram because it is a see and not hear situation. What he's doing He's not killing anyone, um, you know, he's not robbing children. It's not the end of the world, right? But he knows that it's wrong deep in his heart. But I think that there's a pretty easy way to amend this situation without giving up something that he's clearly very passionate about. Because I think at the end of the day, we're all kind of addicted to surfboards and I don't think that's ever really gonna change. But what you can do is, these online, you know, the, the pre-owned surfboards that you're going to find on Craigslist or whatever site, hopefully if you're doing it smartly, and I watched Buck do this in Hawaii brilliantly, you shouldn't be spending over maybe $150 on a board. If you are, it's kind of oh, like... You haggle them down. Yeah. You haggle them, grind them down. So that means that each of these expenditures is like not huge in the grand scheme of things. Uh, and I think that the way that you can offset this and to make your partner more okay with it is whatever you spend on a surfboard for yourself, you have to spend that same amount on some sort of gift or activity or experience uh, that you do with your partner or for your partner. And I think that everybody wins in this scenario. You get to keep your surfboards and keep buying your surfboards because there's always going to be the next one that catches your eye. But also you're doing something that is good for the other person in your life and also makes you think a little bit more about how much you're spending on a board because yeah, spending 150 on a surfboard might not be that bad, but at the end of the day, that means you're spending $300 in total. So maybe you'll find a board for $85, and then you're only spending 170 total. All right, well, the people who say this isn't a problem or a sin, you've got that wrong. Come look in my garage and tell me that it's not a problem. Tell me, you don't look in there and say, oh, this is the, this is the work of a healthy individual, someone who's functioning well in society. It's bad. It begins... You start to buy the boards out of excitement and you don't really have an end game for them. So I'm going to go down the partner route as well. He brought it up. He, he brought this into play. So you went there. I'm going to go there. But I'm not going to go exactly where you went. Basically, what I'm going to say is that, look, there's two ways this works. Either she sees the humor in it and that's fine or she doesn't and we all get to see the humor in it. And basically, next significant event you need to give her one of the boards, especially if she doesn't surf. You need to just set it up as like a whole thing and just have this fucking trog of a of a board waiting for her and see how she reacts. It's She's going to know you're trolling her, I guess, but I think um, 
that's you need to have an end game from and i think that next uh anniversary birthday whatever you celebrate give her a fucking surf tech <laughs> this is great i i joked with my wife after doing uh best wetsuits one year that she was going to get 11 moderately used wetsuits for christmas and she didn't take it very well <laughs> happens it happens well anyway commence your healing journey brother uh, one more thing, he sent at one point a PDF of how to be a dirtbag surfer, which is just all the little hacks that he's come up with over the years to not spend any money and enjoy a great surfing lifestyle. Um, there's, It's easy to just copy and paste it and put it on the site. I'm not going to do that. I think it's funnier as a PDF. So we are going to put the PDF on the site that you'll have to download. That is the way it's intended to be read. Go, do, go get the PDF. Go get the PDF. Where, where are they going to find it on the site? Find the post for this week's Stab podcast, which I think we're combining Cusp and the Drop. So on that post, there will be a PDF. Uh, maybe we'll do an elsewhere with it as well. You won't be able to miss it. You'll get the PDF, save the PDF, print the PDF out. Uh, it's, it's valuable stuff. Laminate it. Laminate the PDF. We're giving you a PDF here. All right? All right. And remember, if you have your own surfs in, you can send it in to michaelatstabbank.com or bucketstabbank.com, 60 seconds or less. Film it vertical so we can post on our Instagram. And if you get selected, you will win a free year of Stab Premium. So send them in and keep sinning. Fuck you if you don't tell me to fuck myself. Bye. That's all we've got for this week's episode of The Drop. Tune in every Friday on Stab Podcasts to hear more. Uh, next week we'll be back potentially with a Brazil breakdown of what happened in the event, if the event does end, uh, if a wave does ever break <laughs> in Brazil, we'll see. But other than that, Buck and I will definitely be back with the news. And until then, over and out.